And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam McGinnis. What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show. We discuss a team with a 2-1 lead, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is April 23rd, 2017. Are you hungover? I am. Was the team hungover yesterday? They sure acted like they were. With me today is my main man, the sidekick, Rashad Mobley. Rashad, what is up, bro? How are you? I'm far from hungover. I've already been to soccer practice with the kid already, so I'm I'm extremely wide awake. Uh, all all American dad here on a Sunday. I like, yeah. I like it. How, how did uh, five year five year old soccer go? Four year old soccer go? Four five year olds who <laughs> scored a goal today. So I was I was very impressed. I didn't, you know, I didn't lose my shit and act like a crazy soccer dad. I just quietly pumped my fist and he did the same and it was all good. Was he happy uh, afterwards or was more excited about the treat that he got or candy? Or? He was so happy that he pretty much shut it down the rest of soccer practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, what, what a good segue to uh, the Washington Wizards pretty much shutting it down uh, yesterday. Washington lost 116-98 to 98 in Game 3 uh, Saturday early evening in Atlanta. They are now 2-1. to one. They won 109-101. to 101. Uh, We did not do a podcast on that. Had some... Uh, difficulties to line it up and maybe we should have because then we had a lot of positive things to say and now I don't even remember game two even though I wrote about it and attended it I more just remember the ass kicking that I witnessed uh, yesterday Rashad what the hell happened in game three Adam all I know is I'm at a bar and I'm with there with with some other people Ben Standig and some other folks and I sit there and take a sip from my drink, and I'm just kind of casually, I'm eating my food, I'm talking, and I look up, and it's 13 to 2. And, you know, you've kind of figure, just the way these games have been going, not just this series, but all the series, you figure the home team is going to come out with some fire, with some intensity, and there's going to be that initial run, and then there's the inevitable timeout, and then the visiting team kind of gets it together and makes it respectable. And so it was 13 to 2, and I think nine minutes left. And there was a timeout, and Otto comes out and hits a jumper, and it's 13-4, and I'm thinking, okay, here they come. But it, but it never happened. And so 13-2 turned into 33-13, I believe. Oh, and yeah. just, oh, oh, here, here you go, Rashad. It turned into, uh, I'm looking at right now, 22-6, to 24-8, 30-10, 35-13, 38-13, and eventually... The, the Hawks into the first quarter, thirty-eight to twenty, and for all intents and purposes, then it was over. Right. I mean, these are Super Bowl scores. I mean, <laughs> I just kept waiting, and and so after a while, you start saying, okay, if they can just cut it to fifteen, if they can just cut it to ten, and they did it a couple of times, but it just it looked like I find myself wondering, and perhaps this is an unfair criticism of Scott Brooks, but you, he's a veteran as a coach and as a player. You have John Wall and Bill on that team. You know the energy that the visiting team, I mean, that the home team is going to come with. How was everybody not ready for that? You know, after the initial wave, how are you not ready? How are no adjustments made? 
if your outside shot isn't falling, how are you not trying to get to the line? Like, there's different things that you can do as a player. And I know this because I've seen LeBron do it. I've seen Steph Curry do it. I've seen other players do it where you keep your your team engaged. You keep everybody kind of stays in the flow until you can get the offensive cohesive. And I didn't see that yesterday at all. So it was it was a little disappointing. And I, as I said to somebody yesterday, you can't talk as much trash as they talked in games one and two and be that demonstrative with your body language. And I read all these articles about Wallace and like Schroeder and all of this. And then you come out and you nullify. I mean, you're still up 2-1, but you nullify the momentum. And now you just look like punks. For one game, you look like a punk. Yeah, I mean, at halftime, it's 64 to 48. I was at a bar in New Street, Soli's, uh, uh my friend John Solomon. We got the sound on. I had some other friends there. And it was just like, does this keep happening? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, John Wall just started being unbelievable. But yet, they're still down. But, you know, they cut it a little bit in the second quarter. But then the Hawks went on a run. And and they're still down 16 points at, or no, it was six, yeah, 16 points at halftime. And then they came out. And then, and then the biggest cheer we had was when Otto finally hit a three-pointer. And we're all excited. It was like, we cut it to 13. And, and, and then, then the Hawks went on another run. Pretty much put it away. I know the reserves of the Wizards came in in the fourth quarter and trimmed the lead, I think, to 12 or 13 again. But it was pretty much done. Uh, Millsap just took over. Uh, and, you know, they, they fall by, you know, over 20 points. And, I, and, and the starters, I think, sat the entire fourth quarter. But w- what I was disconcerting is, like, okay, they were making their shots, and you're right. It feel like they were getting decent looks. But the defense was just matador again. And and, and maybe it's a, the whole notion of, you know, it's hard to play defense when you're missing shots and you're in transition going back. But I just felt even in, like, pick-and-roll situations, they were switching too much. Millsap was getting anything he wanted. And Schroeder was, you know, obviously hot there early. But it was just like Prince, you know, Dunleavy hit a three that drove me nuts. I didn't even know he was in the series. I forgot he was on the team. It seemed like a lot early they had all these guys hitting threes, and the Wizards just didn't have any answers. And there were wide-open looks, too. Yeah, two things. Just to go back to that point you made about getting excited when Porter hit that three and cut it to 13, like that particular stretch was a significant swing in the game because right after that, Millsap scores, I think, five straight points. And then shortly thereafter, uh, that was it for Otto Porter. Like he, he hurt, I don't know if he hurt his shoulder or his neck, oh, but yeah. that was it. He was out of the game. And so then it forces, just similar to game one when they had foul trouble, it forces Scott Brooks to kind of, shipped his rotation and you have Ubre in there and it's just not it's not the same rotation he would normally have so that was a significant stretch and I felt like the game was over but uh, Mike Prater tweeted something that the Wizards follow the lead of Wall and Beal and if they're not engaged offensively and defensively the team isn't going to be engaged and I disagree with that on the offensive end but defensively literally John Wall's lack of defense on Schroeder just caused the breakdown everywhere. I mean, Schroeder was getting by him at will. A couple of times you saw Wall get beat and kind of reach behind him like he does with some varying degrees of success sometimes, but it didn't work. And so as good of a game as he had offensively, defensively, he was he looked like Brandon Jennings out there. He just was letting Schroeder drive by him, and there was no there was no help defense, and it was just causing breakdowns in, in the paint where eventually Millsap ended up uh, doing work so I, I agree there the defense I think 
there were some fourth quarter performances by Beal and Wall in the first two games to kind of cover up the fact. And there were, that's not true. I remember Scott Brooks saying in game one, he was happy with defense and pockets, but there was no offense to offset the bad to mediocre defense. And that, you know, that accounts for the disparity. Yeah. I mean, I looked at halftime, the Wizards had five assists and 10 turnovers and the, the Hawks had like 14 assists. They were shooting like two or 13 from three at half. And that to me, and then the points in the paint was the other one that stood out. The Hawks had 36 at halftime. They ended up with 60 points in the paint to the Wizards' 34. Uh, the Wizards had ended up with 16 turnovers. A lot of these stats, team stats, were skewed just because the fourth quarter didn't really matter much, you know. And, and the Hawks kind of came back to earth a little bit for, with their shooting, but you know they ended up nine to 25 from three. The Wizards seven to 29 from three, 24 percent. Once again, shooting very poorly. Uh, saw, if you take John Wall out of of this, they are shooting here. Here, uh, our man, my man Jerry Brewer wrote a column about this. Let me find it. Uh, and and it's 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 just I don't I don't I don't know I don't think they can shoot this poorly and still win, dude. No, they can't. And you know, someone on the on on the Twitter was going back and forth with me yesterday, saying I made I tweeted that John Wall has a legitimate excuse to pull a Paul George and call his teammates out and say, look, I did all this, where were you? And I said he wouldn't do that because he's too classy. And someone came at me and said, he's part of the blame. He didn't play well. You know, he didn't play well on defense. And while I I side with that somewhat, you mentioned that the Wizards had five assists in the first half. Four of those assists were for John Wall. And John Wall accounted for 30 of the 46 points that the Wizards scored between scoring and his assists. He didn't have the best game defensively, but he was single-handedly keeping him in the game on offense. And it's nobody showed up. I mean, Gortat took one shot in the first half. Marquise took 12 and only hit three. And just nobody in the first half got to the line except John Wall. Well, Bogdanovich got to the line once, but there was no aggressiveness there. And I just, you, you just don't expect to see this. You expect to see Bill at least getting his own shot or Marquise drawing you know, drawing fouls or something, or at least taking it to Millsap, and that wasn't there at all. It was just, it was, it was an abomination. The, the, here, here's, you know, the Wizards won Game Two, like you said. I, they're up two zero because of how Beal and Wall have closed out these games in clutch time. I wrote about this on Truth About It. They've been two of the best clutch performers all season. But it doesn't really matter when you get your ass kicked in the, thir- in the first half, right? I, I mean, like, you can't. Co- and then that run never really came back. They fell apart, and and it was weird. We were watching, we were watching the game at the bar with some buddies, and I was texting some friends, and it was like, did they go to the strip club last night? Magic City, get them? Or, or, like, what happened here in Atlanta on Friday night? Because they they were dead, they were flat. Even though it's a five thirty start, which is not one o'clock. You know, it's not that much far off of your normal start at 7, so you can't even give that excuse, right? Like the Sunday 1 p.m. excuse traveling or even some time zone. But it was Bradley Beal was airballing 10-foot jumpers. Airballing. You know, I, I was like, holy shit. And, you know, Wall was 9 to 10 in the first half. He was incredible, that dunk in traffic. But he, none of his guys, you know, he ended up with 29 points and 7 assists, uh, 10 to 12. Uh, you know that three pointer he made uh, fading away in the corner was pretty awesome as well. But you were right; like never got anyone else involved. 
I don't know how much it finally he just decided to take over because they were getting their ass kicked. I mean, we just mentioned what the scores were early. I don't mind John Wall being a little more scoring mindset than setting people up because when he did set them up, they were missing these shots, especially Beal. And I don't want to put all this game on Bradley Beal because I feel like there is something with the matchups of coaching. I think there's some team defensive breakdowns. Markeith got his ass kicked by Millsap. But Bradley Beal went 6-20, 0-6 from 3. 12 points, negative 26, plus minus. Uh, one turnover, one assist, five rebounds. I mean, I'm not saying this this game is all on Bradley Beal, but the Wizards are not going to win a road game in the playoffs with Bradley Beal playing this poorly. Well, I, I disagree. I, you disagree? I do, okay. I, yes, I do tell me a lot Bradley Beal because just think about it. When, Brad, when Bradley Beal was rolling during the season, there were two things that Scott Brooks made a point to praise him on that were career highs. It was getting to the line, and hitting three-point shots. Wow, no free throws in zero for six and three. There you go. Back in Budenholzer, before game one, asked what was the difference between the Whitman coach team and the uh, Brooks coach team, and he focused on Bradley Bill. He was like, Bill's getting to the line more, hitting more three-point shots. So both coaches know that this is why the Wizards, and health, but particularly Bill's aggressiveness, that's why he's been better this year. He didn't get to the line. He missed all his three-point shots. Now, Wall got to the line ten times. And for my money, if you're not on offensively and you don't have your shot, the number one thing you do is you try to get to the lane, get a dunk, get a layup, or get fouled just to see the ball through the rim. And he didn't do that. And, you know, up in, up until now, Bill's career has been about getting hurt but also coming up big in the playoffs, as he did earlier in his career. That wasn't there. You know, Otto Porter's been off since the All-Star break. Morris came through in game one, as did Gortat, but, you know, tonight they needed Beal to be there, and and he wasn't. And up until late in the fourth quarter, Wall was the only player in double figures. You know, towards the end, during garbage time, Jennings and Bogdanovich and Beal got there. So, you know, I let me get, get to the part where I, that was really heartbreaking, and I, and you can chime in on this, too. But I'm, I'm sitting in the bar. I've pretty much given up on the game, and then... They cut it to 12. I think Bradley Beal hit a layup. Jennings had a good little run, right? Jennings had a run. He, he scored or assisted on like 12 straight points at the beginning of the fourth quarter to kind of close it to 14. And then a few minutes later, Beal hit a layup to make it 93-81 with 736, 756 left. And it felt like, okay, I remember I turned to Ben Standick and I said, at some point they had to put Wall back in, right? I mean, he's rolling. So they put Wall back in. Uh, the lead had gone up to 15, and the Wizards went scoreless for three minutes. So it goes from 93-81 to, I believe, 102-81 it got up to. Yeah, it got up to 102-81, and three minutes went by, and you're sitting there like, what What happened? They just they didn't. That, that was the game. I mean, after thinking that they could cut it, they had cut it to 12. They had undid all of Brandon Jennings' good handiwork, and that was the game. You know, what's weird is that, you know, from the, the loss in Boston, the loss in Golden State, you know, he put the stars back in in Boston, didn't put them back in in Golden State. But I just knew that this team wasn't coming back. Like, I thought it was done. I just didn't see the fire in them. I it, it, We've noticed, we've, we've seen them come back. I mean, what's the stats? They've came back and down 10, 17 times this year to win. But this isn't the Kings on the road or the Suns. You know, this is Atlanta, who's geeked up at home. Millsap and Schroeder are playing very well, and they were contributing. I mean, even 
mean, like I mentioned, Prince, I mean, even Dwight wasn't wasn't terrible. And even when he got in foul trouble, I was like, it doesn't really matter. They're actually probably better going small with Atlanta. And I still feel like that is true. But Gortat was, I mean, let's look at Gortat's line. I mean, he did nothing. He, he was one of four in 29 minutes, eight rebounds. I mean... And- and two or three of those shots were within the paint at point blank range. You just missed. Correct. And, and so Jerry Brewer, uh, I mean, Morris 414. We talked about Beal. Ubre 3 of 11. Jennings 4 6 and Wall 10 of 12. I mean, if you take those two people out, I mean, Bogdanovich was 3 of 9. He was 0 of 4 from 3. We haven't seen, you haven't seen him. And so he, see what he has been in the regular season. And, and here is, uh, what the hell is this stat? Um, find it here uh, it's bad podcasting but I have it right here uh, so in Porter is shooting 40% from the series Beal is 39 Marquis 36 Ubre 35 Bogdanovich 25 uh, the team is just making 27.8 from the threes in three games down from 37 in the regular season and if you take Walls 5 of 7 out the Wizards are shooting 23.6% from deep uh, Atlanta made their first 15 to 21st, 21 shots. Millsap, 29 points, 14 boards. Schroeder, 27, 9 assists. Prince, 16 points on 7 to 10. And this is in Jerry Brewer's column. And his point that he makes, I think, is a good one, is that, you know, Wall is averaging so many po- 31 in the series, but during the season, when Wall scored 30 or more, the Wizards were just 6-6. Six and six. But when he had 14 or more assists, uh, you know, the record was 12-3. and three. Look, as I as I said yesterday on another podcast. podcast oh, sorry, really? Adam, you're, you're, cheat, you're cheating on I, me, huh? I, cheating I, on I'm me? not cheating. I'm not, I'm, I still come back to my bread and butter. Though. Okay, perfect. All right. But if you notice, the last Rockets Thunder series, Russell Westbrook was not scoring, going out hard, and, and trying to score 50 points. The, last, the last game that they won? Right, right. He dialed it back a little bit and made it his business to get his teammates involved. He still had a triple-double, but... He was getting everybody involved, and they beat Houston. And I think there there is some truth to that. Wall plays better when he's getting everybody involved. And you know that he's rolling with his passes because he starts getting fancy. He starts throwing no-look alley-oops. He starts throwing crazy bounce passes because he's in sync with his teammates. The alley-oop attempt to Marquise Morris last night was spoiled. All his pocket passes, all the, the nifty passes he attempts to make, they were missing. And so it's not, as he has said, I believe after game one or two, he gets more more joy out of setting up his teammates. None of that joy was there to be had last night. And so he was scoring, he was rolling, and it was kind of a double-edged sword. As he was scoring more, the rest of the team got more and more stagnant. But again, that's not his fault. And the other thing to think about is the Wizards haven't had a blowout like this. The way the Hawks blew out Atlanta, I mean, the way the Hawks blew out the Wizards last night, the Wizards did not have in game one or two. The Hawks were right there, and they led for significant stretches in the game. So, you know, this they've had timely performances in different pockets of the game where they were unable to win. But Game 3 was kind of a elongated stretch of the bad stretches in Games 1 and 2, which makes Game 4 a little worrisome because those first five minutes are going to be the key. If they come out and they get out to a lead or if Beal and Wall are both scoring, then you feel good and you feel like, okay, Game 3 was an anomaly. But after five minutes in game four, if they're down by double digits and nobody's scoring and uh, let's say Porter doesn't come back from the neck injury and Ubre's there, he gets in foul trouble and all of a sudden Scott Brooks' rotation is in disarray, there's some real concern here. So 
you know, I can I can chalk game three up to an anomaly and to the home team finally, you know, getting some confidence. But those first five minutes tomorrow night will, will be crucial because it'll let you know whether they're still shaking or whether mentally they've checked out until they get back to the horizon. No, that is true. That you know, in this series, I, I still feel like Washington's the better team, correct? And they have. You look, Wall and Beal and Millsap are the three best players in the series. And, you know, it's as simple as that, that if Wall and Beal play the way they're capable of playing, that they have two compared to Atlanta's one. So I feel like that should happen. But still, they got to play it. they got to put it on the court. And last night's game was, was terrible. And especially from the jump where there's no momentum, you know, where they could have, if they would have been, you know, eight points at halftime or, you know, they cut the lead to under 10 at times, there would be some... Momentum they were able to build, it just never was that. It, it was it was done from the outset, and this team is able to come back, but they can't dig themselves that big of a hole in the playoffs and just expect to turn it on because not when they're not hitting three-pointers. Uh, I mean, they just can't. And, and you're right. Maybe Brooks needs to make some adjustments. Maybe they need to do some different sets. Maybe we get marching more looks, even though... You know, he didn't play it well. Maybe get Morris on the on the block a little bit more. Maybe get some curl cuts in the lane and try to create some contact. Uh, change it up, you know, run some different kind of packages. Uh, because what, what they tried to do in, in game, especially on the defensive end, what they tried to do in game three just did not work. Uh, Rashad, before, before I actually have a couple of points, but tell the people, you, you were hanging out with DC Sports Elite, I believe, out there in Tony Kornheiser's new bar. Uh, in in Friendship Heights? Yes, I was. How I was, was it? How was it? Tell the people. You know you know my affinity for uh, the and Wilbon, so... Yeah, yeah, sure thing. <laughs> were they there? Were you hobnobbing, eating shrimp with them, or...? They were not there. Uh, one of Tony's friends that he always mentions on his show, Alan Bubis, was there, so that was cool. But it has a it has a cheers feel to it. It's a small bar, uh, great TVs. Uh, I had flatbread. That was, that was excellent. I was there with uh, John Uran of Sport Business yes. Daily, who has been on this pod before. Friend, friend of the pod, for sure. Right. Another gentleman who worked for Comcast, whose name I don't remember, so hopefully he's not listening. And <laughs> Ben Standig, who was also there in attendance. And uh, there was one other gentleman who actually follows Truth About It and follows our work. He said he was very, uh, he said we do good work. Oh, and there I, you go. And he wasn't even lying, huh? You, you could tell? No, he wasn't lying. I, I didn't pay him at all. <laughs> I always tell someone's like, oh, yeah, I read you all the time. It's like, you don't at all. I know you're lying. You know, because people are like, oh, you then sometimes there is a person that's like, oh, I know truth about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're actually not lying. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people say that they, oh, I like this time. I'm like, you have, you have no idea what this guy is. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a nice atmosphere. I was, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Was, was the sound on? The sound was not on. Oh, no. see, I got, uh, this, the, I got the sound on at the bar I was at, and then probably was a mistake. <laughs> uh, it was the, uh, the jukebox was on, and so on one TV was the TNT broadcast, and the other was the Comcast broadcast. So, yeah, we, so we, yeah, if you're we, in D.C. and you go to your Friendship Heights, it's, the former name was Chaz. It is now Chatter. There's my plug. Give me an endorsement. And so when you cheated on me after the game on this other podcast uh, that our friend Ben Sandick does, uh, how did that go? I felt good about it. I mean, I, I have did, no you bring, did you bring condoms? Did you, did you have I, protection? I did. I did. Everybody, there were no parties to harm in the making of the podcast. Everything was good. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a little weird. No, no, you know, Car- no Carmela situation? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell no. It, no, know, not, I, no knocking up the side check. No, no, no. You know, the first couple of minutes I felt bad about it, but you know, I pushed that to the side. I powered through, got it done. 
It was good. And if you're after you listen to this podcast, go to Locked On Wizards. Listen to me go. Yeah, um, it, it was just you forget how. I mean, let I me mean, let's be serious for a second. We are we do consider ourselves journalists. We do cover this team. We do try to be impartial. But the whole reason we got into this is that we're fans, Correct. and so it takes the air out of the sails when you have to do a podcast, particularly after a game like that. You know, when you have to write or do a podcast after a game like when Paul Pierce missed that shot, it's a little different. You know, you have this adrenaline in here, and it's exciting. But after last night, when you just watched your team methodically get their ass kicked, you just felt like... From the jump. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't even want to talk about this. And so, I'm, you know, I, I mean, even at one point, I was, I was grabbing for straws. I was hoping that Scott Brooks could pull the halftime speech of life out of his ass to get the team back in it. And it just... It, it just wasn't there. And I kind of like, I kind of like Markeith Morris's comments after the game calling Millsap a crybaby. Great, great, great segue. That's the one I was going to bring up. Because that, that shows that, let me, let me, this shows that the fire is not gone, as does, if you noticed when John Wall was walking off the court after the game, he made it a point to have a smile on his face. He was high-fiving everybody as they walked off as if to say, yeah, I came, but you all didn't, but it's okay. We're going to show up again on Monday night. We're going to be okay. So I'm encouraged by that. Yeah, here's here's Markeith's quotes. Good game. He did. He's talking about Millsap. Good game. He did more for his team tonight. Me as a man, you know, you take your wins with your losses, and I take my wins with my losses all the time. You know, he did more for his team. He's a crybaby. You get all the calls, and you're and you a crybaby. That's how I'm looking at it. So then Candace Buckner. So I guess she was at the podium with Millsap. Uh, the Washington Post beat right for the Wizards. And she relayed those comments, which she's a good journalist to do that, because I would have probably done the same thing. And Millsap, before, it's him and Schroeder at the podium, and Schroeder, you can watch this video online, goes, oh my God, no, in his uh, German accent, which is even funnier. Uh, and then Millsap smirked, uh, Schroeder covers his face, Millsap goes, I mean, I don't care, so what? Take his loss and go back to the hotel and be ready for the next game. They do not like each other. I think it's great. We were discussing before this about how Markeith is Keith. You know, Keith can score 24 points or score four points, and he's still going to give you the same. I do like that about him. Sometimes I feel his hot-headedness on the court or getting too early fouls still lingers with him a little bit too much. I haven't seen as many of the bad shots. I don't think I feel like his shooting... Um, his shot selection, I would say, has improved over the season, and he has improved his temperament uh, in flashes here and there. But you know, he still his he still brings the same personality, and I do respect that about him. Uh, and Millsap, even though everyone likes Millsap, he's been weird this series. He likes all these fouls. He said that they're not down 0-2. That's really 0-0 after game two. And of course, no, dude, you're down two. You're down two games. Your thoughts on this Morris Millsap, uh, because it kind of is a Morris Millsap Schroeder Wall scenario, even though I think it's more Wall just doesn't like Schroeder than Schroeder actually do anything on the court uh, this series, aside from blowing by Wall too many times. You know, I, well, number one, I worry about, I've talked about the first five minutes, but I, I, I think it's pretty much guaranteed that Marquise Morris is going to get a, a petty foul in the first two minutes of tomorrow night's game, just as retaliation to Millsap and be like, look, I heard what you said about me. Take this elbow. He may even get a technical foul, offsetting technicals. I feel like that's coming because that's in Marquise's nature. I also expect him to have a big game tomorrow. But 
you, you kind of I have a newfound respect for Paul Millsap. I mean, somebody obviously died and made him Carl Malone. <laughs> 20, you put up twenty nine, fourteen, and five. I mean, that's 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 not a fluke. He's been consistent. He when he needs to go down in the post, he can score that way as he did on Morris and Jason Smith. Some but tough fadeaways he hit too. God. Tough fadeaways, and he can come out to the perimeter and kind of get a head start that way. And so I have a, he's he's a tough cover, and I think. He's been more consistent than Morris. Morris just was not engaged yesterday, and it wasn't for lack of trying. He just didn't have it. And so, you know, I, I get both sides. I'm glad that Markeith Morris is mad enough to say something. I don't think Millsap is a crybaby. I think the refs kind of enabled him a little bit, especially in game one, games one and two. But he's showing up every game, and now it's it's on Morris to respond. I, I think that happens. In terms of Wall Schroeder, that, that's a little more personal. As, as we all saw the picture that was – uh, I believe on Instagram of uh, Baysmore and Truder kind of t- sticking at the wall. You know, Wall has held up his end of the bargain on the offensive end. And I think last night he was not as engaged defensively as we've talked about. So that's that's a little more personal. But look, Markeith Morris has been the same guy all year. He's a little ornery. He's funny at times. He likes to tell us about how big his balls are. You know, that's 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 who he is. So I have I have no problems with that. But. He has to show up because if he doesn't show up again, it you know, Paul Millsap wins. Well, Mills, the thing about Millsap, yeah, he's been outstanding for them, and he's obviously all-star level. But dude, he's getting so many calls. And so I think that that I think that's what Morris is talking about is that Millsap's getting more calls than Morris. Okay, fine. Millsap's been a little bit more aggressive around the hoop than than Markeith has. But yeah, he's getting. I mean, he's been to the line. Uh, it was nine eleven in the first game, fourteen of fifteen in game two, and five and nine in game three. So that is a total of thirty five free throws. So when Morris is probably is, is like, dude, you're getting calls and you're still bitching. I feel is what he's talking about. I mean, but in fairness, they all bitch though. So <laughs> they do. And Millsap's game is more conducive to drawing fouls. He has yep. a lot of head fakes. He does, you know, he does things to keep you off balance. Whereas. You know, Morris is about getting the ball and making a quick move. You know, he's just not, they don't have the same type of game. But yeah, Millsap has been getting a lot of foul calls, which is part of why I call him Carl Malone. I mean, every time he sets one foot in the lane, there's a foul call. Um, Marquise had, was 414 uh, from the field and had zero free throws. So maybe that's what he's talking about. But those comments set the stage for another closely called game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know the refs have seen these comments uh, on top of what's already gone on. The double MMA stuff. Right. And so now game four is going to be closely called, and that just favors the uh, the Hawks. So. Oh, well, I was just glad. I mean, God, I mean, the game was a blowout. It sucked. But I was just glad to stop talking about refs <laughs> and the whistles. So I guess in theory... In a way, you know, obviously I wanted the Wizards to win, but then losing, that they actually, it wasn't about the referees, because game two was borderline unwatchable. Game one had no rhythm at all, the first half especially. And I was there uh, on Wednesday night, and, you know, obviously the Wizards pulled out, so it was cool, and the arena was jumping, and it got loud. But, man, there's just 55 foul calls, and I was breaking down all these fouls. I mean, I wrote about it. You can go to truthaboutit.net and, and, and recap my game recap, but I was just—I'm just tired of looking up fouls and officials and all that. Like, I just want to not talk about the refs. <laughs> yeah, game two was like watching two heavyweight fighters clutch and grab the whole game, and every time the ref would come in and say "break it up," they'd go right back to clutching and grabbing. It was just—it was—it was—it was painful to watch. So I, 
You guys, it, it got so bad, and the fans they start chanting "refs, you suck" to two different occasions. Once in the first half and the second half, and I hadn't seen, no. The, the Horizon home crowd was excellent, wonderful. They were into that game. It was when Beal hit that dagger three. It was as loud as that arena has been in years, and they were into it. But some of these calls, especially Mark Davis, the lead referee, was just miserable and awful, and he's been ranked one of the worst ones. And, I mean, it was on both sides. I just feel like the Wizards were getting, the, you know, with Porter and McKeith getting in foul trouble both times, and there was 50-50 balls, and they were getting the calls. But Rashad, it was it always reminded me, like, in high school basketball, when you go on, uh, when a team is a home game against, a, you know, a good team at home, and the refs are screwing the home team, and the whole crowd is just, like, goes nuts. Right, and like the whole, it's like the small gym. It's packed. The pumped. This team is their the opponent on the road. The road team coming in is better, and everyone's jacked and wants to win. And some calls go, some you know shitty calls go against the home team, and where like fans are yelling and screaming, and it's like your science teacher and your your barber and all the people in the community are just like yelling, going. And the coach is going ballistic, and you're like, all right, where's the sheriff? Where's the where, like? There's a potential for some shit to go down. And now, granted, it was that's how I felt. I felt like, holy crap, I've never seen the Verizon crowd and the fans be so mad at the refs and it's a good thing that they're into the game the way they were but it was a toxic environment at times and and, and the refs just lost complete control of the game luckily Wall and Beal made some amazing plays at the end of the game to close it out but I'm just tired of these refs Rashad I am too but they're, they're in a the tough spot I mean it's just these two teams are physical kind of game one set the tone there have been comments back and forth and you know, I, I, like you said, they were much better in Game Three, but now you have to wonder going into Game Four. You know, what kind of game are they gonna are they gonna call? Um, yeah. yeah, well, it's also Atlanta wants a type of game like this, right? I mean, Millsaps even bragged that he want, he likes it this way. Of course they do, because if you can take away Wall and Beal and their ability for an open court game and it's just grind it out. I mean, Marquise Morris likes that kind of game, but Gortat doesn't thrive in that kind of game, and you know, no one else really does, and definitely not Bogdanovich, who likes to shoot the open shot. So, I mean, it's, you know, it works against them. So, um, I wanted to to ask you if you had to pick an MVP on the Wizards' side from last night's game, who would you who would you pick? Because I, I'm, for one, I'm happy that for now the second consecutive game, Brandon Jennings has kind of, you know, put the bench on his back and, and had these stretches. In game two, he kept the Wizards close until, you know, Wall and Beal could come oh, in. He was a momentum changer in game two. The crowd got hyped because of him. His, right. th- his step backs, the crowd was into it. I mean, it was almost heat check time. And then when he made that drive and Mascala thought he was going to finish at the rim and Jason Smith, he dished to Jason Smith and Smith dunked and did a little dance like a little pose, like WWE wrestler pose. Uh, the crowd was unbelievable. It was so loud, and then it just carried over from there. Wall checked back in, and then Beal and Wall took over, like I mentioned. And Jennings was the spark plug. I called him Jitterbug Jennings. Uh, he was getting beat on defense bad, but he had a big steal in that game. And then last night, which you're mentioning, I think you're right. I mean, Jennings had 13 points. He was 4-6 from the field, 17 minutes, uh, hit all four free throws, had four assists, uh, and two turnovers, but plus seven was his plus minus. And yeah, he has been a highlight these last two games for sure. And more importantly, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the Wizards were down 23. He opened up, hit a three, and he scored or assisted on the first 12 points of the fourth quarter to kind of cut that lead to a more manageable deficit. And that's 
that's what you want from the bench. That's why the Wizards brought him here. That's the kind of player he was in New York. Very, you know, high, strong, loose player. And so that that's encouraging because in a close game, when Wall and Bill have to go to the bench, you know, Brooks can feel can take a little more comfort in knowing that Jennings is on his game. And if the Wizards are trailing or if they're leading, there's not going to be a huge loss because Jennings is playing. So I, that's encouraging. I think that'll come in handy. Hopefully later on, later on in this series and beyond, uh, if Jennings uh, plays like that. How about Jason Smith's line? Eight minutes, six fouls. <laughs> Fouled out. <laughs> yeah, Millsap totally had got him early, and then you know he he just he didn't he wasn't hitting his shot, and you know for a small stretch he seemed to have found his three point stroke and his outside shooting stroke from the elbow and definitely from the three pointer, but he didn't he didn't have that, and it's kind of like if he's not giving you anything offensively. And Bogdanovich isn't giving you anything, and Uber isn't giving you anything. It's like it makes you look at the bench like, what do we have? Yeah, so, Uber fouled out as well. He had nine points, three of seven, uh, three eleven from the field, three of seven on threes, uh, six fouls, two turnovers, one assist, he, two steals. I I felt like it was the moment once again is is Ubre, it shows flashes when he's able to you know get some steals, get out in transition. Uh, he's able to make a big bucket. You know, he has the confidence to, to take that shot in the corner on the wing from, you know, a reversal or a John Wall kick out. But when he tries to do anything, especially, you know, his dribble move or anything like that, things do not, still do not work out well for him. And he got beat badly back yes. to the game, too. It was just, I mean, one at one point. So he's just, the scary part is, and we don't know how serious Otto's neck is and whether he's going to be able to play game four, but. You know, Ubre may be put in the position where he has to be in the starting lineup. And the last time he started, I believe, was against Atlanta uh, yeah. regular season. I could be wrong, but yeah. he was he he was engaged and he played well. Um, and so uh, Miami game at the end of the year, he started right. Oh, that's right, Miami. That's the game where he yeah. was he messed up the inbounds pass. At yes, the end of yes, the game. I was there. Uh, it was awful. <laughs> but you know, he uh, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Otto, but if if Ubre does start, he, he has to be engaged. He can't be so pumped up that he's over defending and getting petty fouls early in the game, but he can't be so lax where he's getting beat on defense and causing breakdowns in the in the lineup. So Yeah, he's gotta find ways to make his energy, you know, where he has those you know, run outs, tips, like he'll get some rebounds, like keep balls alive. He has bouncy legs with almost as anyone on the team or both these teams actually. And he, he needs to stay in those kind of have those kind of moments. And not try to, you know, try to get. It's almost sometimes he's trying to get ten points with one shot. I know it's a bad cliche, but he's just. It just feels like he sometimes presses way too much. Right. right. It's too, maybe that's just youth or hyperness. Uh, but but I don't feel like he's. The moment isn't too big for him. It's so that's good, right? Like I don't feel like he shies away from the moment being a young player that he is. Is you know being in a first playoff series and we forget about this. This is his first meaningful games, and we sometimes you know. You know, and Markeith as well. This is his first postseason, even though he's been in the league. You know, I think what seven, seven years now, six, seven years. What uh, going forward here, Rashad? What are your thoughts? I mean, anything from Game Two? We didn't really talk about Game Two, so it's just heavy on Game Three. It's hard to go into Game Two too much. You can go to Truth About It and you know talk about uh, just read my my recap and then also Brian Francis Brian's recap as well. Anything from Game Three and also or Game Two, and then anything that you're looking forward to here for Game 4? Is it just the beginning that you're mentioning? 
Yeah, I'm, I, I really want to look at the beginning. I want to look at uh, are the Wizards running? I mean, I, I agree with John Wall. Schroeder pressuring him, pressuring him full court didn't really affect Wall because it wasn't that wasn't bothering him at all. But I'm going to look at what Wall does early. Who can he get the ball to kind of get going? Um, I thought it was significant that one of the few times when the Wizards started the game, they didn't go to Gortat in that typical post-up on one side of the floor. They just started off differently. So I look for them to make a conscious effort to get somebody involved um, and then see how they play defensively. And that's that's really it. It's the first five minutes because I just don't see if it's another it's just a repeat a repeat performance of last night and they get down eventually it's human nature to start thinking okay we're not going to get this we'll get it when we get back home we'll get them when we get back on wednesday to the Ryzen center so that's what i want to see i'm not going to panic because they're still up 2-1 they played about as bad as you can play aside from john wall and you like to think that that's not going to happen again where everybody plays bad so i'm encouraged but again those the first five minutes the first beginning part of the game is, is what i'm looking to uh, Bradley Beal has to make shots. <clears throat> yeah, he, I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. He's 6 of 27 from threes. Bogdanovich in the series is 1 of 10. Uh, Otto Porter finally hit his first three. I mean, this team has to hit threes. I mean, with John Wall, that, that we, we finally have, you know, it's not the small ball and vision what we had, but this offense has been pretty good all year. And it's about John Wall getting out and having multiple and having, you know, Markeith now even hit the three, having four shooters on the court, three to four shooters at all times, good three-pointers, Porter, Otto, uh, I mean, sorry, Otto, Beal, you know, and the Bogdanovich. I mean, and so, and then Markeith has, you know, increased his percentages. They just have to hit these threes. And, and I don't know, uh, and I know it's simple. They need to play better defense. They have to. I mean, you're right. Like they have to be. Maybe they switch less. They fight over more. Their pick and roll coverage on that high screen with Schroeder has to be a lot better. And they need to maybe run some guys at Millsap. Maybe change it up. You know, have a bit a smaller gap. Maybe Porter if he's healthy. Uh, you know, Markeith has to really step it up and not get in foul trouble. Maybe even put Gortat on him for a couple times if he wants to go down low. I mean, switch some things up. Do something different defensively on Millsap. I don't because I just don't feel anyone else from Atlanta. Hardaway hasn't played that well. Uh, you know, Prince obviously has been a bright spot for him, but I'm not really concerned about stopping him. It is more limiting Millsap, limiting their three pointers, and getting out on the break and being able to shoot threes for the Wizards. That's how I see uh, this game. And hey, Rashad, they win Game Four. They're up three one. We're going back to DC, and this whole negative podcast we just had is 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 for naught. I'm not concerned. I mean, I feel a little bit better because the Caps went up three two. So, so, so my feelings are, you know, we're up 2-1 in the series, and, and, and I'm still adamant that this team, the Washington Wizards, are better than this, this Hawks team, and that it's more so in the future. Rashad, anything else in the other the playoffs that you've seen, on the other, other stuff we mentioned? I, I know, you know Boston came back with a big game uh, on Friday night over oh, in Chicago. I thought Jimmy Butler was pretty terrible. Now with Rondo out, I can't believe I'm saying Rondo out is a big difference, but it, it was. And uh, LeBron basically is just destroying the will of the whole state of Indiana uh, on the other night as well as the other two for the other series. And Toronto coming back and in, in, in making that a s- series with their backs yesterday. And so now that is 2-2, and that could go either way, even though the Bucks still might. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Bucks maybe still will pull that out, but Lowry... I still have faith in him, and if DeRozan plays well, 
they should maybe win that game in that series in seven. Your thoughts on the Cavs waiting, the other Eastern Conference, I feel like. What have you seen so far? So my three thoughts are Golden State is scary, that they are winning without their head coach last night, without Durant the past two games, and they're still winning. I know Portland is an eight seed, but Portland is not bad. They're young, they're energetic, and they can upset like they have enough firepower, they could, they should be able to upset Golden State. And the fact that Golden State is up three zero is impressive. Two, I think Cleveland, Cleveland, is fool's gold right now. You know, I don't think that Indiana is ready to beat them. Um, Indiana, they're a flawed team outside of Paul George and uh, for different stretches, Lance Stevenson, and even with as well as Cleveland has been playing, they've been barely beating. Indiana, and that is the recipe for disaster when they go against a more complete team, whether it's Toronto or, or whoever. And I think the worst thing that can happen to the Cavs for a team that's just finding their rhythm is to sweep Indiana and then have an extended break where they have to remember, okay, what did we do again? How are we playing so well? And the rest has not been good to that team. And so I, I think that that everybody feels good right now because LeBron is playing out of his mind, but. He's able to do that because... Kyrie is sucked, man. Yeah. And three, Kawhi last night, even in a loss, was oh. just... He's just a beast. Like, I, I never thought I would see Kawhi Leonard who can pull up, can beat his man off the dribble. Did he score, like, 17 of their, like, their points in a row or something? Right. And so when I watched that, I'm amazed at how versatile Kawhi's game has become and how old Ginobili seems to have gotten just very quickly. He didn't. He's, oh, he hasn't scored yet in this series. Oh wow! So, uh, so those those are kind of my my hot takes from the playoffs. What, what about Raptors Bucks? How do you see that shaking out? Uh, I, you know, when I watch the series, I'm thinking, okay, this isn't a fair fight because Jabari Parker is not there. You know, I, I think if Jabari was there, I think if Milwaukee had a real point guard, because Delavadova and Brogdon are two backups, if they had a real point guard, I think. Milwaukee would win easily. Uh, Giannis is having to do too much. He's not a playmaker as good as he is. He just needs to be in a position where he can kind of drift in and out of the paint on offense and defense. And so, you know, I feel like Toronto should win, even though Milwaukee is, is, is hanging in there. Um, and Boston and yeah, the Bulls. Well, yeah, what do you think about that series? I was, well, I think the Bulls would have won had Rondo stayed there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that crazy to say that? <laughs> and so now, I mean, just like with the Clippers series, Injuries are, are weighing heavily in the outcome more than just what's happening on the court. So it's like you're, you just don't know what's going to happen now. Yeah, did you, it's crazy that Griffin broke his foot on that play, and, they, and, they, and Gobert has been the anchor for Utah, and they finally make it back to the season, and he gets injured in like the first thirty seconds of that series. Yeah, but at least he may be back. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. Griffin's out, out, right? Out. Yeah. All right. Well, what what do you feel in the Wizards? We just got to beat the Hawks and not worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we can. We can look ahead just yet. Oh, I love looking ahead, Rashad. I, I like to do it all the time. I've been looking ahead for months because uh, I because I feel just. I mean, yes, you need to advance, and the Wizards need to put two more wins in the win column to uh, exact revenge on these Atlanta Hawks for that series two years ago when I felt, and most people, especially John Wall, that they were better, uh, and then plays didn't go their way on a rebound. Al Horford, fu. Uh, and then the Paul Pierce miracles and John Wall getting hurt. I, I feel if he wouldn't have broke his wrist or hurt his wrist that time, uh, that the Wizards would have won that series. So I want these revenges. But then I look and be like, wow, like the Cavs, 
still kind of a little, little banged up. Heck, now that Bulls, that Bulls Celtic series could go seven games potentially. And yeah, things are really aligning for the Wizards uh, to make a run, but they just cannot play the way they played in game three, obviously. Uh, but I still like this team. It's setting up the way that Raptors are struggling with the Bucks, the way that the Cavs need supernova performances by LeBron to beat a terrible Indiana team. Let's be honest, that team is not very good outside of Paul George. And, I mean, you got Lance Stevenson as their second option already, and he wasn't even on the team. He was out of the league. What does that tell you? Miles Turner has been a no-show. Very disappointing, I feel, from Indiana. Uh, they almost, almost And Monte Ellis has just dropped off a cliff. And it almost feels like Indiana players almost know that Paul George is leaving. And Paul George is saying weird comments. But and then and then but then you have then you have you know the Celtics going down 0-2s in the first two games at home. They got the Isaiah Thomas family situation. Uh, but and the Bulls just looked the Bulls looked unbelievable. The Bulls probably looked as good as any team in the playoffs those first two games. But now with Rondo out, uh, who, who was playing point guard? Mark, Michael Carter Williams. Can't even believe he was rookie of the year. He was bad. Uh, and one of the Grant brothers. Uh, you know what up? What up, Harvey? Local kid, Dematha kid. Uh, but he just isn't the way of the Bulls. But Jimmy Butler and Wade can maybe still pull out a game and we can see it go seven. So it is lining up here. The point I'm making, Rashad, very elongated point. It is lining up here for the Wizards. If they can get their shit together here in game four and put their throats on the Hawks for a, a special run, uh, I feel, in the playoffs. It's still it's still sitting right there for them to achieve, Rashad. I agree, but they they got to take care of business tomorrow night. All right, perfect. Rashad, thank you so much. Uh, we went a little bit over. Wow, but we had a lot to say. Uh, my hangover still is a little woozy. I need to go get some Advil. But have fun with the fam. Thanks for your time. Tell the wife hello for me. And uh, we will jam again next week at some point. After the game. After Monday's game. Yeah, I'm sorry. Monday, 8 p.m. is the was game four on TNT. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and joining this podcast, even though Rashad cheats on me. But uh, I appreciate all your support. And as always, go Wizards. Peace out. It's just me against the world.
myself, see ladies and stones, baby Capone, living wealthy, pictures of my birth on the surface, what I'm dreaming, seeing daddy seeming, full of crooked demons, already crazy and screaming, I guess the nightmares as a child, had me scared, but left me prepared for a while, is there another route, for a crooked outlaw, a veteran, a villain, a young thug, every day there's more death, plus I'm no less, I'm seeing more reasons for me to proceed with thieving, scheme on a scheme and leave that beast breathing, cause ain't no one to stack up, my nuts is blacked up, I'm about to act up, go load the Mac up, now watch me clack up, try make a fact up, but yo it ain't working, and evil's working, I can see him smirking, when I guess the purpose, so what, go put some work in, and make my mail, make the sales, risking 25, where the hell, but oh well. Yeah. 